Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, the number one Detective Conan Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is Colleen. It's a new year, Colleen. I, well, it's, it's not really a new year, because we're recording this still in 2020, <laughs> but when listeners hear this, it will be 2021. Uh, do you have any exciting New Year's resolutions, maybe even about Conan? Um, I bet... <laughs> Well, I did. Sorry, I didn't expect this question to happen, so I'm obviously not prepared. Um, yeah, I guess um, uh, for the Conan related stuff, I'd like to get back to watching, you know, some of the newer episodes. Uh, sort sort of like where I stopped my rewatch. Uh, I stopped because I I was just like I needed to start watching other things. So Conan had to take a little bit of a back seat plus we were doing we're doing the podcast so i'm you know watching conan episodes every week anyways so it got it used it used to get a little confusing as to which case was which in my head but maybe i'll start uh re-watching those again because i i mean had 950 plus episodes like i i really want to say i can catch up with the series in this um you know decade even I'm going to do it, Colleen. I'm going to catch up all the way this year. Yeah. Oh, is that on your... I only have like 700 episodes to watch, so easily doable. Back in the day when I was organized and actually watched on a regular basis, I counted that if I could manage to watch like three to five episodes of Conan, I'd be able to finish it within a few months. Of course, that didn't end up happening, but yeah, if you're determined to do it then it shall be done happy 2021 to everybody hopefully this is a yes happy new year everyone brilliant year filled of cheer and no colleen jeer how you like the rhymes <laughs> oh they're great <laughs> i like when you spit the rhymes uh today we're covering uh an anime original case and then we are going to talk about some one-off characters we'd like to see reappear from the uh, first 157 episodes that we've covered so far. The episode we're covering today is episode 158, The Silent Loop Line. This originally aired August 23rd, 1999. The Conan hint going into this episode was pink ballpoint pen, Colleen. Oh, okay. Good to know. See, you tell me every week, and every week I forget. Were you not on the edge of your seat when you saw the pink ballpoint pen? Uh, I mean, I figured it was going to be important. Like, I should have realized that was the clue. It kind of wasn't really important, though. It didn't seem that important. I don't know. No, I mean... It seemed like a bad hint. Maybe writing would have been better in pink ballpoint pen. But the pen itself was just there. Cannon says, Today's stage is the Kanjo train line, but the case and the train are non-stop. <laughs> was this case non-stop? It seemed like it still had commercial breaks to me. Yeah, and pretty sure it ended, so <laughs> it stopped. <laughs> so the episode begins with Ron and Conan missing their train by just seconds, and that's when we see an even later Kogoro trailing behind them. Kogoro says he's just finished work, so he should be able to have a beer. Conan reveals that Kogoro's work was actually picking up a folder that he had previously left behind, that nobody's really working today since it's a Sunday. So I love how Kogoro just did a bad job previously, and he's fixing his mistake, and he's like, 
I just finished all my work for the day, like he accomplished something. <laughs> yeah, and I love Conan uh, calling him out for it, too. Kegra remarks how good the beer is, and Ron remarks how empty the train station is on a Sunday. Apparently, the place is right by a bunch of businesses, so when nobody's working, it's very dull. Not much going on. How often do you take trains, Colleen? Let's talk about some public transportation. Uh, not often at all. If we're talking, like, city trains, uh, have I? We have, like, one where I live, but I don't think I've ever ridden on it. I mean, I've, I've ridden on a train train, like, going from you know, one city to another, but uh, the city one, not that often. Um, I, if, if we're talking public transit, I'll probably take the bus. Because that's a little bit more accessible for me. How about you? Are buses not gross in Canada? Because they're gross in the United States, at least. I guess it depends where you are. Once where I live aren't too, too bad. Um, but then again, I've never really looked underneath one of the seats. So who knows what's there. We then see a man and two women enter the train station. They all work at an ad agency. And the slightly older woman, Shizuka Kawaii, demeans her co-worker Yukiko Mori. Since last year's new recruit, Kiyomi Hashimoto, caught on much faster. The man, Seiji Kurata, says that Kiyomi left in a hurry. And Shizuka says that she must have had a date. Turns out that they were all working today since Yukiko messed up the assignment. And they had to do overtime as a result. Yukiko apologizes. And Seiji tells Shizuka not to pick on her. What was your first impression of all these uh, ad agency marketers? So the the man and I don't remember what their names are. I guess Shizuka. Uh, they I don't know. They came off as um, I guess I didn't think they were particularly bad people. Like they, especially Shizuka, seemed to have some a little bit of an attitude, but. They had to go in on a Sunday to work because of, uh, like this apparent mistake that uh, Yukiko made. So I felt like okay, they they were team players, and it looks like they were really dedicated to their work. Um, Yukiko, on the other hand, like right off the bat, I was suspicious of her. I don't know what it was about her, but as the case went on, it just grew. I I fully agree because one woman can't be trusted until the other female of the case was being awfully mean and they usually don't have the jerk wind up being the murderer that's usually like i don't like this person but they wouldn't kill somebody so i was like okay so she's innocent but this other woman very suspicious and the intercom then says that a train will arrive at platform number two shortly and yukiko's reaction to this is going i'm gonna buy juice and i was like girl you're not buying juice you're murdering somebody because that was well who buys juice at the very last second right before like your train comes i know right uh, like you might as well just say hey guys i'm gonna catch the next one or something but um yeah it's definitely not juice buying time seiji tells her to be quick and she tells them to get on first the train arrives and then leaves, so Seiji and Shizuka go to check if Yukiko made it on. 
We then see Kegre. Okay, so this is the weirdest part of this episode. Kegre just takes a sip of beer and then he goes, ah! <laughs> Do you know why why you made this toys? Because I thought maybe it was empty or something. Like he ran out and he was like, oh no. But we don't get any other context. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, he just, <laughs> it's a real short scene. He just takes a drink and he just goes, ah! And then Ron's like, I don't know him. Uh, I wish I remembered that now. I mean, I, I remember Ron's comment. Was it like, okay, I'm not gonna, like, maybe it wasn't like a refreshing ah? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe it was, I don't know. It was just, it's very boisterous, you know? Oh, I wish I remembered. Like, maybe, like, there was a bump in the track and he spilled some of his beer. Now I'm just making stuff up because obviously you remember this part and I don't. Either way, it was a very Kogoro moment. Oh, absolutely. The co-workers make their way to the front of the train, and they find Yukiko there. She says that she made it just in time, but that her juice spilled a little. They then notice Kiyomi in the corner and wonder why she's still on the train when she left earlier. Seiji says that she's sleeping, and Shizuka says she must have been on the train for so long that it looped around. Seiji tries to wake her up, but she falls onto the ground. She's actually dead, Colleen. We have our death. Well, that was quick. It was, like, two minutes within, like, into the episode. And the death, like, sobers up Kogoro real quickly. <laughs> he, right. One of the women scream, and he just kind of picks himself together, and he's like, ugh. And he walks over to the body, and he checks the pulse, and he's like, she's dead. And <laughs> it was hilarious just how he went from, like, drunken stupor to, like, like in, like, a trance, like, oh, dead body <laughs> time better. It's almost like a like a a reflex to him that's like ingrained you know yeah for sure he's going through the motions and i mean it felt really odd for kogoro because usually he's not the one well um, maybe sometimes when he's the only one there but he's usually not the one that pronounces the death kogoro learns that they're all co-workers and introduces himself as a detective kind of looks at the body and notices that kiyomi's airlobe has been pierced by something and that the air has a greenish bruise on it he tries to point that out to Kogoro, but the great detective tells him not to get in the way. <laughs> Surprisingly, Kogoro actually notices the air color himself and says it's the result of a poison. So, Kogoro being surprisingly competent today. You know, it's interesting that uh, you took it that way because for me, I thought he was just stealing Conan's thunder. Like, Conan was kind of like, hey, look at this thing. And then Kogoro like, get out of the way. And then he's like, hmm, look at this thing. So <laughs> I, that's how I received it. But yeah, I, I mean, if we're going with Kogoro being competent today, maybe it's after the effects of the alcohol. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's like when you go bowling and you're be- you do you do better at bowling once you've drank a couple beers. Maybe that's how Kogoro is with his deductions. He yeah. has to be a little tipsy. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that might be a new thing we're gonna see in the future. I don't think we will. I'm not at least I don't remember it, but that would be an interesting concept. The uh, the drunken sleuth. Well, you know, there's like drunken kung fu, so why not drunken? Uh, That's right. Deductive reasoning. Maybe we'll see it one day. <laughs> there there is a lot of episodes to get through. And the reason why I argue that Kogoro is being competent here. Is because he he said it was a result of poison. He didn't completely just restate what Conan said. He added something to it, which was mm-hmm. a, a good move yeah. from Kogoro. Shows that Kogoro is actually taking this seriously, unlike sometimes when he's just like, it's suicide. 
Okay, so I'll just mention this now. As soon, I actually watched the preview for the next episode, and Kagura immediately goes, <laughs> "This is a suicide," and I just start laughing so hard. I tweeted out a, a screen cap from our show. Twitter, oh yeah, I, I saw that. So, so that's can... from the next episode. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Yeah. So Kagura says this one is a murder, and he tells Ron to tell the conductor and to call the police. Conan then notices a mark on the arm of Kiyomi. And Yukiko is seen adjusting the color of the victim. And then I was like, girl, you're doubly, like, suspicious now. That is so weird. Like, I thought that she was going to come up with some sort of excuse. Like, oh, you know, she the victim was maybe OCD. And she wouldn't want her collar to be like that in the afterlife or something. But that was never mentioned at all. So she didn't even have a good justification for doing that. So Meguri and Takagi then arrive, and they note that the time of death is 6.30. I do have to say, Takagi just blending back into his background role, not really doing much or, ha- like, saying much, is really odd coming off a Detective Love Story episode. Because, you know, he was so full of personality, he was wearing cool disguises, and now he barely talks. No, it's true. Uh, and I would think that it's because this is a anime original that they just didn't really pick up from where the manga case left off um but yeah i mean there is one goofy moment with takagi but they don't uh take advantage of it i don't think kagura says that the body was discovered shortly after seven thirty, and it takes the kanjo line about one hour and 10 minutes to circle around so she likely died on the train the cause of death is poisoning, and it was likely a pin that pierced her ear. Takagi goes to pick up the victim's handbag, and that's when he drops all of the belongings onto the floor. I believe this is the moment that you were <laughs> referencing. Yeah, said moment right here. And of course, I had to giggle because nobody drops items as gracefully as Takagi does. But uh, yeah, they didn't even take an opportunity to really like do the whole kind of nervous Takagi face like facial expressions so yeah i thought that would have been nice mega is just like what are you doing why are you like this <laughs> why did i hire you conan says the bag was always open and kogura tells him to stop talking <laughs> megary then puts it together that the criminal could have taken something from the bag takagi takes a look and says the victim's wallet is still there and nothing appears to be stolen Conan then points out that a pink ballpoint pen fell on the floor as well. That's the hint, so very important. It, well, I know that it's important now. They ask her co-workers to confirm Kiyomi's belongings, but Yukiko is in shock, so she doesn't get up from her seat. Ron picks Conan up and takes him away from the crime scene. Shizuka isn't sure what Kiyomi had on her, but she says that Seiji would often give her presents, so maybe he knows. Megari asks if they were dating, and Seiji says that Kiyomi always turned him down. That's enough for Kogoro to paint him as a suspect, but Megari calms down the situation. I, I love how Kogoro just always, he's like, oh, this guy was turned down, he must have <laughs> killed her. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was kind of interesting when, uh, you know, we found out the backstories for all of the suspects, and he's like, well, you all had motives to murder her. And I was like, none of them are particularly strong, except for, like, the one that ended up being the actual culprit. But the other ones, I don't know. They're not... I don't think they were um, murder-worthy. Megary questions the co-workers, who say that they all went with Kiyomi to the station. 
Nothing seemed unusual, and they parted ways at the ticket entrance. Megri asks if anybody had a grudge, and Kagero once again brings up Seiji. To defend himself, Seiji says that Kiyomi took Yukiko's boyfriend, so she also has a reason. Also, Shizuka once accused Kiyomi of plagiarizing one of her designs. I feel like those are both, like, murder-worthy. <laughs> okay. You know, there there are people that, men that feel jilted enough to where they would attempt to murder somebody if they turn them down. You know, there's that attitude of, if I can't have them, nobody can. And then plagiarism, you know, that's been a murder subject in the past, like award-winning, not something more interesting than, like, a stupid advertisement. But maybe that's just me belittling marketing people. Apologies. But, you know, we had that in the past where, like, oh, my novel was stolen, you know, this artwork was stolen, yeah, okay, stuff so like that. Yeah, okay, so let me rephrase. On a scale, like, the scale that Conan operates on, then, yeah, I guess those would be possible motives. But, I don't know, in, in real life... I've, they might be on the pettier side, but hey, it's an anime, so what what should I expect from it? They say that they ate dinner together after Kiyomi departed, so none of them could have murdered her on the train. Megari says it must have been some psycho that was just riding it, and says that they'll take some fingerprints from the bag. Conan doesn't buy that and says that the year had signs of being pressed upon, and that's an odd way to murder somebody. Conan then runs off to examine what's in the bag. I like how he's just sorting through evidence and Takagi's standing <laughs> right next to him and never bothers to be like, why are you going through this stuff? Yeah. Again, a missed opportunity. They could have at least had a moment where Takagi... Because at this point, Takagi's already kind of trusting Conan in the investigation, so they could have even added a little line for Takagi to be like, hey, what are you looking at, Conan, or something. But yeah, he's just kind of like a total wallflower character in this episode like you could replace him with any of those other inspectors whatever the that one guy's name was that he had like his big moment two episodes ago yokoyama <laughs> oh yeah he, he was in four straight episodes and you've already forgotten his <laughs> I'm name i'm sorry the disrespect yokoyama, i'm sorry obviously he made the list that we're gonna talk watch about watch me later. get his watch that name be wrong and i just butchered it <laughs> Conan then notices a MD player, which is a mini disc, if you don't know. Colleen, what's your experience with mini discs? Zilch. I don't even know if I've seen this in real life. Never, you've never had a mini disc? <laughs> no. Okay, so they're just like tiny CDs. They're nothing too yeah, but crazy. Okay, but they appear in... <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be a really dumb question, but when you actually put it in the player, it you have to keep it in that container right like the way that they showed in this episode okay yeah because i've seen a mini disc before but you put it into the disc player like a cd like it, there's no outer part yeah, to it yeah if we have any gamers it's kind of similar to what the psp used the umd where there's a disc covered in like a cartridge the apparently it was introduced by sony in 1992 so this Anime is in 1999, so apparently it's still going strong seven years later. And Wikipedia says that many discs were very popular in Japan and found moderate success in Europe. Let's note that North America <laughs> is not mentioned here. Yeah, I guess uh, North America was the land of the cassette pl player. So 22 million MD players were sold up to March 2011, and they finally ceased production in March 2013. So that, 
That's a longer lifespan than I would have thought. Same. I'm I'm shocked. If you could see, <laughs> all of you can see my face. I am gobsmacked. I didn't realize that they were still making those into the like 2010s. Yeah, they even had ones that were that held one gigabyte of music. So that'd be like up to 45 hours of audio. That's that's a lot for one of these things. Yeah, you know, books on mini disc. That's how I like to enjoy my reading. <laughs> Yeah. Audible, watch out. Also, a little fun fact here. Uh, if you're a fan of Kanye West, uh, when he was talking, he had an uh, album announced called Yondi that was eventually scrapped, but the promotional art for that was on a mini disc. So that's the most recent I've seen a mini disc. So that was like 2018. Wow, you have more mini disc knowledge than I do, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Big fan of the mini disc only. Obviously. I guess this podcast stands, the mini-disc. So yeah, Conan notices an MD player, and attached to it are some foam-covered headphones, and he finds labeled MD discs, including ones by 2Mix and Yoko Kino. There was also a third artist, but I didn't know who that was. Yeah, Miho something or other. Shout out to Miho. I think that she does some of the openings. Let's look here. Pretty sure she does. Miho. Miho Komatsu. She did Nazo, the third opening theme. And she also did two uh, closing themes. Uh, she actually did the fifth one and the sixth one. Uh, they just stopped. So she's done three songs for Conan. So that makes sense. Oh, awesome. Okay. Shout out to Miho. Born in 1974, Colleen. Almost as old as you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Conan then finds an MD index label and finds it odd that none of the discs have a label on the front. He then notices a pink mark on one of the labels and figures out how the killer established an alibi while murdering Kiyomi. Conan is a little ahead of me because I, I had no clue how the murder occurred while uh, they were apparently having lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah, same. I was like, this feels like one of those cases where you feel really dumb. Because either you're just not getting enough clues that Conan might be getting off screen, or it's just not coming together, and it wasn't coming together for me. While Conan has figured out who the killer is, he still needs more evidence. Conan tries to grab the cloth that Yukiko is holding her drink with, but she pulls back and accidentally launches the drink in the air. It winds up spilling all over Seiji's shirt, and Kagura yells at Conan over this. Seiji isn't worried about it and says that he has a spare set of clothes in his bag since he sweats easily. Or maybe it's because he was going to commit a murder, Colleen. What do you think about carrying two sets of clothes with you? I, I, I think it was fine. Like He could have said something like, you know, I was going to go to the gym after or something. But sure, the sweating thing is a is an, it's an excuse. I don't know if it's the best one you can come up with in public. But... Uh, that's probably why Kiyomi kept turning him down, because he was just so sweaty. Oh, yeah, maybe. But there's something about people reacting to drinks really animatedly in this episode. First, Kogoro with his screaming, and now uh, Yukiko flinging the drink away. Yeah, and she mentioned that she spilled it earlier, too, so she's really clumsy with this drink. <laughs> clumsy is the word. I think she's just super guilt-ridden because she just murdered someone oh so he gets the okay to change clothes 
And Ron tells Conan that he needs to learn to sit still, so immediately he's like, I'm going to go walk over there and apologize to him. (laughs) What a lie. He does not stay still for like five seconds. So Conan walks over to Seiji, and he doesn't even apologize. He just starts like interrogating him. That was the funniest thing to me. (laughs) Like, what if Seiji had heard that Conan said that he was going to apologize to him, and then he actually... You know, doesn't. I just thought it was so... I don't know why I thought it was funny, but... Just Conan going um, against his own word. Yeah, Seiji says that while everybody had an issue with Kiyomi, nobody downright hated her. They were actually all good friends. For example, today Yukiko dropped Kiyomi's MD player on the floor and broke it. Kiyomi wasn't mad and forgave her right away. The two of them got along really well, which surprised Seiji as he thought that a stolen boyfriend would ruin the friendship. So, Colleen, would you forgive somebody that stole Jimmy Kudo from you? <laughs> yeah, but if it was Shinichi Kudo, we'd have a problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kenneth says he finds it odd that Kiyomi was sitting in the second open car instead of the first at the station. Seiji explains that the exit Kiyomi uses is closest to the second car, which is why she sits there. That information is enough for Conan to have everything figured out. Good for you, Conan. (laughs) I had an issue with, like, the evidence he had. I don't feel like he had, like, clear evidence that she murdered her. I'll I'll talk about it a bit more, but I I don't feel like they had conclusive evidence here. They just kind of... No, I felt the same way. We can talk about it later because I I had the same kind of concerns. Yeah, I had a big issue with how this episode wraps up. So, Conan uses his wrist gun to knock out Kogoro, and while he's drowsy, he goes, Here we go again. (laughs) Poor Kogoro, he's just so used to this by now. Like, why doesn't he question it? Why does... (laughs) I guess, I don't know. It's a good thing. Don't question it. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't know. If I got a horse, somebody gave me a horse, I'd probably look at the mouth, you know? (laughs) Make sure it's alive. Yeah, I mean, you have to make sure it's healthy. No gingivitis or anything. Meguri recognizes the pose and Kogoro says the murderer is one of the co-workers and that the murder weapon is close at hand. And he says this, but we never actually see the murder weapon. (laughs) Like, it's never even found. And that's kind of concerning to me because that thing still has residues of poison on it. So, you know, somebody could touch it mistakenly and that might be a problem. Hey, man. It's so tiny, who cares? <laughs> well, obviously somebody died from it. But maybe, okay, I'm just being pessimistic. Maybe all the poison is now off of it, and wherever it landed, it is now a safe. Yeah, even that just laying around is kind of dangerous. You ever step on a pen? Like, oh. Oh, that's unpleasant. That's yeah. not a good time. Yeah, hopefully they sweep those floors in the train. Megary says the culprit knew that Kiyomi was leaving first and used that to their advantage. They knew how long the train would take to loop around and then ate a meal to establish their alibi. After returning to the station, the culprit took back the murder weapon from the victim. If you weren't already suspecting uh, Yukiko here, this was like, oh, she definitely did it. Because she was the only person that like got away from the group and could have retrieved the murder weapon. So it became pretty obvious here. Yeah, it did. Um... I don't know if we got to the part yet, because I, I do want to mention something that she said that I thought was the dumbest line in this episode, but I don't want to go too far ahead. Uh, well, stop me if, uh, if you feel like we're too far ahead. So, uh, 
Kegro says the murder weapon is something you can put on your ears but doesn't raise suspicion. Headphones. And the culprit is none other than Yukiko. What a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. Kegaro says Yukiko damaged Kiyomi's MD player and then loaned her own to her along with the poison headphones. Once the three co-workers went to leave, she said she'd buy some juice and retrieve the murder weapon. However, the headphones were pressed between Kiyomi's shoulder and the wall, which caused her to pull too hard and she broke one of the earpieces. Megari confirms that it's broken, and Kegaro says an imprint from the headphone cord can be seen on the victim's left arm. Yukiko says she only went to buy juice. Okay, so yeah, it was this part when... <laughs> so Yukiko, like, Kokoro's just listed off a bunch of things that she apparently did, and all Yukiko has to say is, like, all I did was buy juice, I don't even remember doing anything else. And I was like, why would you say something like that? I, I just thought that was the oddest thing for her to say at that point. Like, I don't remember anything else that I did other than buy this juice, like... Yeah, it's weird how she didn't deny the crime. She just said, I don't yeah. remember doing yeah, anything like things. that. But that was just, um, I don't know. I just don't know why she thought that was good enough. Kegara says she readjusted Kiyomi's shirt collar because she accidentally jerked her collar up while pulling off the headphones. Turns out that the victim wound up stabbing their own ear and poisoning herself while already on the train. Megary wonders why it was done on a train, and Kegaro explains that this route has few passengers on Sunday nights. The second car is usually empty, and this was the best way for Yukiko to, to create an alibi. Yukiko deliberately screwed up during the workday so that everybody would meet up on a Sunday for overtime. Yukiko asks for proof, and Megary can't find a pin in the headphones. Kegaro says that Yukiko probably removed the pin with her handkerchief then says that she didn't join with them when they were identifying the belongings, and Megari asked to see her handkerchief. Kegari says it's no use, as it's a very tiny pen that could be anywhere. So you have no evidence! <laughs> That's essentially what's going on here. Kegari says the proof is actually inside the MD player, and Yukiko's like, well, my fingerprints will be on it, since we're friends. But then she weirdly says that she didn't lend anything to her, when everybody knows that she lent her the md player like people have already testified yeah. that she broke it like maybe she didn't know that they testified that but she knows that the other like the other co-workers would call her out on this bullshit mm -hmm. if they heard her say that you know like we all saw you break it i mean i guess that's the uh the the weakness to, to you know not being around the other people when they're giving their testimonies but but this is like a, such an unnecessary lie because just lending your player to her doesn't make it, like, mm -hmm. all that suspicious. That's not proof that you committed murder. No, and, like, what what happens next isn't either. Like, the fact that that, like, that uh, MD disc, whatever, sorry, the MD, I guess, was inside the player. Like, that could have happened any other time, right? <laughs> like, why did it have to be today? Kara asks her to take the disc out of the MD player. She does, and the label on the disc says, Thank you, Yukiko. By Kiyomi, and it's dated today, August 22nd, 1999. So, this, they were so close to having this correct. I don't know what happened. They've done this in the past where they put the date in the anime where it airs, but this aired on August 23rd. <laughs> this is August Oops. 22nd. So, this is like so close that it's yeah. annoying that it's all. Okay, so, sorry, my bad. It is dated for today, but I still, 
I'm on the same page as you. I still have a problem with this being like absolute conclusive evidence that she did it. No, it's only proof that she dated, you know, like she gave her the MD player, which doesn't seem all that. That doesn't mean she killed her. Like That's not proof. And I, we get a confession, so it kind of doesn't matter at the end of the day. But I feel like there was mm-hmm. no actual evidence like that connected her to the crime. And obviously there's a hole in the like headphones, but like headphones get punctured. That's not like that's nothing too crazy. So like I don't they never have the actual proof here and it's really just odd to me that they felt like cause Conan was like, Oh, I need proof and then his proof was that she borrowed the M D player, mm-hmm. which like, okay. I don't know why she lied about it. Like that I get I guess she screwed herself by lying about it, but if she had just told the truth and said, "Hey, I lent her that because I broke it," like I don't get where the, I don't don't feel like they had the connection there without finding that pen. What I had thought was happening because they were like, "Oh, the uh, the pink uh, pen was so important." I thought maybe she like opened up the pen and put the poison thing inside that, like inside the cap and or something like that, and hit it there. But no, it was just that that was the pen that she used to write the note there. Which I don't, I don't get why that's super important either. Was that, was that pen supposed to be actually Yukiko? I, I don't know. Needless to say, I don't see how that contemplates with like definitive evidence. I feel like there's no definitive evidence here. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And so, like you said, it was just a lie. Because had she not messed up, like she could have gotten away with this. Yeah, and uh, Yukiko feels some guilt, I guess, when she sees this thank you letter on the label. And she falls to her knees. She says she couldn't take it anymore as Kiyomi stole her boyfriend and today was his birthday. She knew that Kiyomi would be leaving early to be with her boyfriend, which is why she chose to kill her today. Okay, that's dark. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know. After the ending song, Megari asks Takagi if he found out where she got the poison from. He says that it's used in blow darts in South America and that it kills instantly. Still not answering she... the question of, you know, where how she got it. <laughs> well, he does next. Uh, she came across it a few days in a trip overseas. But yeah, I thought that was funny too when he just did not answer <laughs> the question. Let me give you a bunch of black background information first. And so what happened was she got the poison, she smeared it on a small pen and put it under the headphone cover. Megri thanks Koguro and says that with such a rare poison would have been hard to trace. They might have never solved the mystery without his help. And then Koguro is just like, huh, blow dart poison. I had a feeling it'd be that. <laughs> it's like he has experience with just, something similar. Megri's so impressed and Conan remarks that maybe Koguro is still under the influence of one of Conan's sleep darts. I think he's been under the influence since... The first time he did it to Kogoro. Yeah, like, what kind of long-term effects <laughs> is, like, Dr. Gasa doing to Kogoro here? Maybe he just drinks to cope with all this memory loss that he's having? Yeah, it actually um, sharp sharpens his skills and his senses. That's why he was able to, you know, right after having that beer, just go to the victim and be like, okay, she's dead. <laughs> So I had very mixed thoughts on this episode. Like, the whole stuff with the evidence, like, really put me in the wrong way about this. And, well, you know what? Let me do the next kind of intent first. Rope. 
<laughs> and this is the most confusing after credit scene where Conan says, the next episode is the terror of the five-story pagoda. And then somebody <laughs> just goes, wah! It's a, maybe it's a scared wah. It's like, wah! <laughs> I don't... Okay. So, yeah. Back to my feelings on the case. I I thought the... I thought the mystery was okay, but, like, they did not have, like, proper evidence. They didn't have a good conclusion. I get that she felt guilty afterwards after reading this, like, very <laughs> basic-ass thank you. Like, thanks. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, some emotional thing. It wasn't, like, thank you for still being my friend. I'm really sorry that I stole your boy. Like, it wasn't, like, something where she was... Reg- where Kiyomi was regretting what she'd done and was so thankful that she still had this friendship or anything. It was just the most basic thing of... Oh, thank you for letting me borrow yourself after you broke one. It was like the most courtesy <laughs> thing. It wasn't like this highly emotional letter or anything. So I don't know why she was like, oh, I wanted to kill this person. But not that she said thank you after I did something for her. It's like, it's like she held a door open for her. And <laughs> like, you're like, my oh, best thanks. friend. And then she was like, you know what? I shouldn't kill them. Yeah, like I get that like murderers can be mentally unstable, but this just did not make much sense for me. Uh, I thought the Kogoro had some good moments in this episode. I thought he was pretty funny. Uh, I liked uh, him drinking. I'm a big fan of... Just there's a lot of uh, Kogoro hijinks that made this a decent watch. But I just have so many hang-ups with how the episode wrapped up that it really kind of kills the episode for me. And I I think it's one of the... Probably one of the worst uh, anime originals that we've seen so far. Those are very... uh them fighting words but uh, i mean i don't know to who because i kind of felt the same way like the uh it fell into that category of okay we kind of know who did it it's just how uh, the person ended up doing doing it even if we had two other suspects i don't know if anybody watching this would ever consider them viable uh, actual murderers it's it's pretty clear who from the get-go it, um like compare the crime um i thought the episode was decent it's like a little a nice little detective conan fix if you're craving an easy to watch case but you're right the conclusion kind of leaves something to be desired um i had to watch it twice just to make sure that i understood why she was being blamed for it for the murder because i wasn't quite sure why that was evidence i mean conan was super confident in this episode and I love seeing that aspect. Um, so that's kind of maybe what softened the blow for me. Um, like Conan didn't even look at what was inside the MD player unless he did it off camera. But he had the mo- um, he had like the moxie to be like, oh, yeah, open it. Your evidence is inside there. And he didn't even know what the note said or anything. All he really had to go off of was that pen mark. So he's like, well, obviously there's some sort of message in there. But... Um, he didn't know if it was dated or not. Like, that could have been a total mess up if, you know, it it wasn't actually what he needed to, quote unquote, be the evidence. So I'm glad it all worked out for Kogoro slash Conan in the end, I guess, with the lie, because otherwise, I don't know what other evidence they could use. I was also really um, thrown off by the purse part like when they were taking out all the items from the purse because i thought they were going to do something cool where you know they were focused so much on um 
something being missing i thought that maybe the the trick here was going to be that something was planted um but that never (laughs) never ended up being a thing so i kind of like put my attention where it didn't need to be um but yeah overall it was fine i don't know if it's the worst or one of the worst in my book but um it's um it's certainly not spectacular yeah, I just, there's just aren't many, like, Detective Conan episodes where I have, like, a straight-up logic mm-hmm. flaw with, like, the episode itself. And that that kind of ruins the whole point of the show, because it's, like, supposed to be this smart detective solving these incredible mysteries. And I just feel like this was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really feel cheated as a viewer. Cause I, think that's I, I don't what... feel like I got that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, t- next week, are we, is it a among case maybe we can get back to better better times yeah i think it's among isn't it like a three-parter yeah i feel like we ha- i believe it's a two-part i hope it's not a three-parter don't don't put that into the world <laughs> it's a two-parter uh the okay, legend of the mysterious five-story pagoda it's a tv original though oh all right we'll see how that goes so we're getting two parts so if it stinks then we've got a whole hour of stink <laughs> Not like we haven't done it before with anime originals. Next, let's go over our discussion topic of the day, which is one-off characters we'd like to see reappear. And uh, I'll start off with my list because you know what they say, men first. Yeah. Age before beauty. So I want to say I'm sorry, John, as (laughs) I'm picking Jumbo for my obligatory dog to reappear. Jumbo was the... uh, dog from episode two that Conan rides i believe he's a great dane and he just hops on it he rides around get rid of that stupid uh skateboard <laughs> i want Conan to use jumbo all the time as his means of communication uh means of transportation i want all the detective boys to be riding on jumbo i feel like he's big enough even for genta like you know how they all squeeze onto the uh the skateboard yeah. sometimes i want to see them i want and they just stretch out the skateboard i want them to see them stretch out this dog oh so he looks gosh. like a wiener dog hey, so they can fit all the detective boys the benefit of using jumbo is that you can use them at night as well because that's always been one of those plot points that conan can only use the skateboard for a certain amount of time because it's only charged by the sun or whatnot but jumbo hey you give him some kibble and he can <laughs> like run around all day yeah, so shout out to Jumbo, he's from episode 2, the company president's daughter, kidnapping case, an iconic, that's Conan's first case, they should bring Jumbo back for good old times. I agree, absolutely. Next up is Toshihide Wakamatsu, he's from episode 6, the Valentine murder case, and I believe this was actually the first anime original episode, and I gotta say, Toshihide is a really good character, he's this big brute. And he looks very kind of intimidating, and he's trying to court Ron here, and he tries to give yeah. her chocolates and stuff. And he he winds up being a very like lovable, laughable character by the Wasn't end. His quote something like, "But he's very sensitive." Yeah, he's he's a big dude with a heart of gold or heart of chocolate. I don't know, but either way. I want to see him reappear. I want him to be Shinichi's rival. I want him to unsuccessfully try to court Ron. And just every time she's like, no, I'm I'm not interested in you. But he keeps trying. I want to see that perseverance. I think Tushihita is a really fun character. I'd love to see him come back. Well, you know what? 
you don't have to wait too long because we will be covering this episode in the dub pretty soon. Yeah, just about, what, three months from now. So you can find that on the Patreon, The Return of Toshihide. He'll probably have an English name, too. Oh, fun times. Ooh, we should uh, try and figure out what his dub name is. Find out in three months. Next up is Sayuri Matsumoto. Uh, she's from episode 18, a June bride murder case, and she's the bride. She's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, first off, I need to see her get married for real this time. And she's also the daughter of Kiyonaga Matsumoto, who's the superintendent of the Tokyo Metropolitan Police. He's the guy with the huge scar, real Megari's boss. He's real intimidating looking. And the reason why I'd like to see her reappear is... Not only is it a fun twist where Kiyonaga is kind of like, instead of this gruff police guy, you know, he has a soft spot for his daughter. So that's a fun interaction. But I also just want to see Matsumoto more in general because we don't really see, like, Megari's boss a ton. We haven't seen him a lot since that episode. I don't even think we have seen him since that episode. Although I know he reappears later on, but... Yeah. I thought he was in uh, the last police detective love story. Wasn't he one of the ones who's like, watch Sato's in trouble? Maybe, maybe. But we haven't seen him in like a, a decent role, at least. So he That's might have true. appeared there. I'm not sure. No, it's actually a good point that you said, like, you actually want to see her get married because, uh, like, at the end of that episode, we find out what happens to her. But it's like one of those, you know, foreshadowing happens in the future type of um, things. So it'd be nice if they revisited this story and actually showed us the actual wedding you are correct uh he does appear in uh the police detective love story too so you're right there so i was like man we have we haven't seen him in so long but then he appeared literally the last episode oops (laughs) yeah but he was there for like two seconds it's not a big deal yeah um so it would be nice to see him actually participating in the episode a little bit more yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I don't think they can actually share the wedding, though, because they said it takes place three years in the future, and while a thousand episodes have passed, I don't <laughs> think they want to commit to uh, it being three years since Conan had shrunk, because I feel yeah. like Ron would be out of school by then. Yeah, it's been like five months. Next up is... Oh, next up, <laughs> the no queen surprise. herself, Suzu Mikami. She's from episode 61 and 62, a ghost ship murder case, the first woman to kiss Conan. How do you feel about that, Colleen? It wasn't Ron's lips, it was Suzu. I mean, at the time, I'm sure we're going to see some sort of flashback that shows that Ron and Shinichi did actually have their first kiss as kids or something. Nope. Nope. Suzu. It's all Suzu. Ugh. This episode actually had another great character. The villain was pretty... At the very least, she was Conan's first kiss. Oh, Conan, yeah. All right. I mean, I can't argue with that. So, go ahead, gush about Suzu. What's so great about Suzu? Well, she's not putting up with Conan's shit. She's commandeering. Uh, She's got a little spunk with her. She's just a really good girl. I'd love if she was a member of the Detective Boys. Like, if I had to choose between Suzu... And Ayumi, and I like Ayumi, she's sweet, but you know what? Suzu, she's got sass, she's got a little bit of attitude, she's a go-getter. I would pick her over Ayumi any day. I'd love to see her added to the Detective Boys. Bring back Suzu, make her a mainstay, best girl. 
You know what? You've just inspired me. I'm going to start a campaign. Replace Hybera with Suzu in the detective No, I, I knew you were going to go here. You, <laughs> you evil woman, you. Terrible. So to end my list is Asami Uchida, who is not a member of the Naruto clan, but rather Shinichi's first love. And by first love, uh, she liked Shinichi. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't quite it was a one-sided sure. one-sided <laughs> love. I felt really dumb because before we started recording, I was asking, like, just to make sure which characters are who. And I was like, so was she the first love in this episode? Yeah, quote unquote. So I, I think it'd be fun to have another character that's vying for Shinichi's affection. I know she's kind of given it up. And she's like, she tells Ron, oh... He likes somebody else, and it was unrequited. Unrequited, and you know she's kind of fine with that, and she's matured past that. But uh, I still would like to see that dynamic there, and maybe like she's not going after Shinichi, but like Ron gets like kind of jealous or something. I don't know. I'd like to see another person that has a connection to Shinichi in the show because we kind of, he just he doesn't seem like he has many friends other than <laughs> Ron and Sonico. Like, nobody's ever asking about where Shinichi yeah. is. Like, she's about the only other person that's ever brought him up. So I would just like to see more characters with a school character from, like, with a connection to Shinichi at the yeah. very least. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, because that's been one of my um, complaints. If I can complain about the show, it's fantastic. But I would like to see a little bit more of the high school side of things. Um, and even to see, you know, Shinichi's friends on the soccer team and whatnot and maybe have a case happen at the high school. Like, we have them happen at the elementary school where Conan and the detective boys go, but there's not a lot of high school stuff going on in this show. Maybe it'll happen one day, but so far I haven't been seeing it. So, Colleen, it's your turn. Uh, You're going to give us five characters that you'd like to see make a grand return. All right. And one-off characters at that. <laughs> okay. Um, like, there is a character on this list that is a little bit, bit of a cheat, but I'll mention him when we get there. But the first one, um, I know you talked about Jumbo being the best dog, but we cannot have a list of characters that we want to see without having good boy John on here. From episode 26, the uh, pet dog John murder case. This is the lovable German Shepherd who is trained to attack somebody um and of course the yeah you say lovable and a good boy but he did accidentally commit a murder accidentally he didn't mean to even his owner felt bad about at the end right yeah said I'm I'm sorry sorry, John John John. so poor John uh his owner did him dirty I still think he's a good boy (laughs) he deserves all the love that uh, at least this podcast has given him when uh, when his episode was uh, covered. Yeah, give him a shot at redemption. I'm with you, Colleen. Yes. I want him with a new owner, maybe, just having a happy life. Maybe he's hanging out with, um, There's well, maybe Jumbo. There's other dogs in the series that come up later. You know, he can be re- given a new home, a new forever home. So okay. the next uh, guy on the list... Um, from a, a one-off a episode, I assume. <laughs> so, uh, if I say the name Takuya Mifune, I'm hoping everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, he's originally from episodes 39 to 40, uh, the wealthy daughter murder case. 
And I'm sure that's all he ever appeared because we're talking about one-off Right, right, exactly. Um, unfortunately, not. <laughs> so if you'll recall, he also appeared in episode 76, the Kaido Kid versus Conan case. Um, <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if I'm doing my math here, it sounds like he's a two-off character and not a one-off character. What are you doing, Colleen? <laughs> I gave you simple rules to follow. And you're a renegade. You threw him out the door. You're being wild going with a two-off character. You're, you can't be I'm controlled. I'm sorry, Tyler. Um, I just feel like <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a list of characters that we want to see again without Mifune on here. And I know it's a cheat. We see him twice already in the series, but we haven't seen him since episode 76. I think it's time to bring back Mifune, bring back that sarcastic um, SO. I don't know. He's not. He's not. He's great. Yeah. So if you don't remember him, he's the he's a very dark skinned guy. He has like long uh, black hair. Uh, very rich. Yes. He's a very he, rich guy. I think he has an electronics company. Yeah. But he, he kind of wasn't putting up with the bullshit because like the wealthy daughter, she was kind of uppity and he was like, oh, screw it. I'm not interested in marrying you. So you, you like the attitude of his. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got a little bit of sarcasm. He's got that badass attitude. He's like, you know, I'm so much better than all of this. But he's not too big of a jerk about it. At least I found him entertaining. So I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Um, next up is a name that I'm probably going to butcher. But I'm going to go ahead and try anyway. Uh, Heihachiro Shiota from episode 67, The Stage Actress Murder Case. If you guys don't remember this one, uh, he, <laughs> how should I put him? Um, he's the pervy mentor to Kogoro that, so he's like the detective with that long beard that helps Conan out in this case. And I think, is he the one that was like all about touching women's butts to f- find things out? He sure out? was. He touched everybody's <laughs> butt. You yeah. can learn a lot from touching a woman's I totally forgot about that gag. Because we were talking about that on the show for a bit. Yeah. He's, he would learn everything he needed to know about a woman just by a little, little touch of the behind, tap, you know? Tap of the rear. Um, you might call him a pervert. I call him a refined expert that knows what he's talking about. Let him get a little squeeze and he'll figure out this case in no time flat. I wonder if he also squeezes the butt- buttocks of men, too, to get a grasp of their character. You know what I mean? I think he's an equal opportunity groper. Um, but He ruled. He he was one of the best characters for sure. Like, I, I felt bad for forgetting about him because, you know, there's that great, you know, playoff from him and Kogoro. You think Kogoro is this perv. This guy's the master. He's a better detective, a better pervert than Kogoro. Like, oh, we don't know if he can sleep better. But I think that'd be real fun. And I think they also kind of play with the idea that, like, he knew that that he knew that because Conan like tranquilizes him, but there's kind of like a, a wink and a nod here that he kind of knew that he was being mm-hmm. played. Do you remember that? So that's kind of an interesting dynamic, like somebody that's kind of caught on the uh, Conan shtick. But uh, yeah, this, this this guy ruled. Sorry to <laughs> overtake your point, but I just I completely forgot about him and he was grabbing butts and this dude. No, cool. I did really like that trope that they were playing with, where he's sort of like you know, kind of the wise, perceptive one that might know a little bit more about Conan than the rest of the cast is able to grasp at this point. So, yeah, it's 
it's a shame that we haven't seen him since episode 67 and honorable mention to his lovely wife who appeared at the end of that episode as well she's a gem um but yeah i wouldn't mind seeing this couple again or just him whatever maybe you know a little bit of like a backstory thing with just exactly how he mentored kogro because that kind of was um glossed over in the episode like we get mention of it and they share a scene together or two but i would really like to see how this relationship developed so next up we've got inspector nishimura from episodes 144 and 145 the north star number three express leaving uno case oh that's a mouthful this guy oh my gosh i i wish i could rewatch this episode to remember why we liked him so much. All I can remember is that I think we liked how, um, like unapologetically gruff he was. I guess he like he was on the ball. Yeah, he was yeah, no nonsense. Totally. He yeah. rolled. So he um, he's this detective that comes on the train. I don't know if that's his like district or if he like where he came from, but he's just on this train and he has like a. <laughs> I guess a um, sort of like version of Chiba with him. I, I should have put him on the list as well, but he has like the sidekick that kind of reminds me of Chiba. Yeah, Detective Tamura, yeah. and Tamura mentions that uh, Kogro is cursed, which is oh, the funny nice. part. So yeah, Nishimura, I just thought he was amazing in the episode that he appeared in, or episodes rather. Um, I really wish I had more d- details about him, but, uh, yeah, just go watch that case if you want to relive the, the epicness that was Nishimura. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, these one-off police detectives, and a lot of the time they're just super generic, and especially when they're traveling around different prefectures and stuff. But, like, for, so just for somebody to leave a mark in our minds says a lot, and I completely agree with you. I think he's a really good detective he kind of had he was taking no shit he was very straightforward i remember there's like a a woman in the case where there's the wife of the victim who's all like complaining about stuff and he's just like you can't go into my room he's like i'm I'm going (laughs) and he would like he just had no he had no room for nonsense he did what he needed to do like he was just a cool dude shout out to nishimura i wouldn't i i i assume that conan also had some sort of respect for him like more than he does for Kogro because we do get that um when Conan even like Detective Songo Songo Yokomizu I can't remember his name but the guy with the curly hair like Conan even shows more respect to that guy than to Kogro so uh I feel like if I remember correctly I think Conan um also looked up to well looked up i thought like he thought nishimura was a good detective well he quite literally looks up i mean he's very short <laughs> he looks up to everybody except for like the, the other detective boys except for like genta anyways the last person on this list is the one and only i think he's an in- inspector but i'm not sure of his title but anyways it's kenji wakai from episode 148 the streetcar sudden stopping case um so this guy will forever go down in history as the inspector gadget lookalike on detective conan but other than that i thought he was a pretty uh, fun character um it just he's like one of those detectives where he's goofy enough to like make it funny but he's also like 
you know, pretty good at his job. And I think he, like, wasn't afraid to notice when he made a mistake. Like, he wasn't too proud or anything. Like, I think... I'm, I could be getting it wrong, but I think Conan was pointing things out. And he's like, oh, what? A, what well, let's discuss this. And yeah, so I think he was like taking on the detective boys' um, suggestions a little bit more. Yeah, he even gave them a plaque at the end, remember? He for, did. He thanked them for uh, helping out with the case. And it, it was funny because he had so much hubris about himself, but then he was willing to acknowledge when he was wrong. So I think that makes for a fun character because he was very self-assured. And he he did seem smarter than the you know like average nobody like Takagi if you will. Um, hey hey! Like he seemed on the ball. He was a very fun character, and sadly we haven't seen him, and he doesn't appear again. But maybe they'll bring him back for episode I don't know one thousand one hundred. Come on, team, let's bring him back. He's Detective Go Go Gadget. Come on. <laughs> Let's bring back all these characters. Um, I'm sure there are others. I really wish I had the time to go through all the episodes we've watched so far and say, oh yeah, I like this culprit. I like this victim. I like this suspect. But I just couldn't do that. So I picked out who I could remember. Yeah, and you know, I think that'll be a great discussion point later on. Like the, our favorite killers. Maybe. Ooh, yes. Our favorite guilty people. Yes, look forward so to that. that'd be fun. Yeah, but next time, we're going to cover The Legend of the Mysterious Five-Story Pagoda, Part 1 and 2. And before we get out of here, we do want to give some thanks to patrons who are joining us in the new year. Hopefully, they didn't cancel. See, if they cancel, I'll look like a real goofball for saying that in between here. But nonetheless, I will give a thank you to medium-sized Jeffrey. Not too big, not too small. The perfect size calling. Just right. Ryan Self, Big Chief Mason, Spencer Young, and William Lee. He was on the podcast recently. Or maybe. I don't know. Last year. Is that really that recent? There's an argument to be made. Oh my gosh. It's been, yeah. He was on in 2020. Yeah, boy. Lee, you haven't been on since last year. <laughs> Whew. But uh, hopefully we'll have some guests. I know some Patreon guys need to figure out when to get on. We have Ryan set up to come on soon. But some other people need to get back to me. I'm putting you on blast on audio here about when you're coming on the podcast. But oh, we're, we're so say, nice. We'll accept your money. Yeah, I was way. just about to say, like, not yes. only are we accepting your money, but we're also criticizing you for not <laughs> scheduling with us properly. I'm kidding. And you're and you're also saying, where can I get these bonus episodes? It's Patreon.com/slash/CaseReopened. We have three things, you know, we'll give a whole pitch out here, Colleen, because it's a new year. So, we got three podcasts each month going up. One of them is covering Yaiba, which is Gosho Ayama's first anime series. And it's about, it's kind of like a Journey to the West style thing. There's swords and demons and Samurai. all kinds of monkey boys, ancient perverts, all kinds of stuff. Then we have the Case Closed dub, which we were alluding to before. So this is the English dub. We're going back to Funimation's, uh, their spin on Detective Conan. It's been a real blast. We're going to cover episode four soon, which is the first Detective Boys case. So look forward to yeah, that. Yeah, you want to hear us talk about and... McGuire's uh, Brooklyn accent and... Everybody, a gossip German accent, German. and every, I guess all of the voice actors. We have opinions on all of them. Go check that out if you want to. 
And then finally, Kaido Kid. Who doesn't love Kaido Kid? We're talking Magic Kaido. We, we've done the first two specials so I have far. Only, I've only heard of one person who does not like Kaido Kid. That's Kyle. Ew. Imagine having <laughs> a take that bad. Imagine being having no taste. Disgusting. But uh, yeah, we, we're having a blast going through these specials currently of Kaido Kid. Magic Kaido. So learning more about the Phantom Thief that has stolen Colleen's heart. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm ha- I'm finding it hard to breathe. I don't have a heart right now. <laughs> I don't know. You didn't steal your lungs. Jeez. <laughs> all right. So that'll do it for this episode of Case Reopened. We appreciate you all for supporting the show. Thank you all. You can follow us on Twitter at Case underscore Reopened. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.